0: All right. What's up, everyone? Back for uh, episode three with Hello Cheskis. Um, hello, if you don't mind just introducing yourself, major, and where you're from.
1: Yeah. Hi. So I'm Halel. Um, I go to Penn State. I'll be a junior. My major is marketing, and I'm originally from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania.
0: Perfect. All right. Um, so the first topic that's on the agenda for today is gun control. So why I want to start here is I pretty much want to hear what you think should be done with gun control and we can move on from there.
1: Sure, yeah, well, I definitely want to start out by saying that I recognize uh, the Second Amendment right for, everybody to, uh, for everybody's right to bear arms. But at the same time, I do think that there should be strict limitations uh, on that amendment and on that right. Uh, I do think it should be extremely difficult to get a gun if you want, if you want to have a gun. Um, I think there needs to be various background checks. And um, I think you need to have proper training and licensing and registrations uh, and all these uh, different regulations on gun control uh, to make sure that the people who are getting guns are being safe and responsible with them uh, and they actually know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, that's reasonable for the right people to get guns, that statement. Um, I was going to ask so background checks, you just mean like background checks to, cause I agree with that. I think if you want to purchase a gun, getting a back, having a background check done on you is um, the right thing to do to make sure you're well buying citizen and et cetera. So do you have restrictions on what, do you think there should be restrictions on what guns you can get?
1: Um, it's interesting that you bring that up. A lot of people, when uh, that question comes into circulation say, well, we should get rid of all the, the semi-automatic and automatic rifles. Uh, nobody needs really a a, um, uh, a gun that can do that much damage uh, but when you look at the statistics really only about five percent of the gun violence in America comes
0: from you know, automatic rifles, rifles. yeah right. that's exactly what I found that was from um, the FBI from 2017 at least that was the latest one but no I, I agree you acknowledge that point because that is a common point when people say that like um, no one needs like a long gun I was like well if you're talking about like to reduce the murder rate, that really won't reduce the murder rate. And um, it was by, hmm, who was it by, uh, oh, right here, that uh, Applied Economics Letter, which is just a peer academic journal. They found that assault weapon bans did not significantly um, affect the murder rate at the state level. But um, states with restrictions on the carrying of concealed weapons had, had higher gun-related murders than other states that did not, which I think is um, interesting to point out.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is that, you know, I, of course, am in favor of um, more gun control uh, and reforms on buying guns and things of that sort. But when we're talking about public safety from, uh, from gun violence, we can't ignore the fact that there's already hundreds of millions of guns on the street, uh, many of which are, you know, not registered with the states and um, they're sold on black markets all these things. So it's really impossible to, to regulate all the guns that are out there, but I think it's at least a start to, um, to put some regulations on guns that are purchased legally.
0: And your registrations, in your opinion, should look like more like universal background checks?
1: Yeah, universal background checks, uh, making sure that the purchaser is uh, healthy mentally um, making sure, like you said, that they don't have any criminal uh, activity recently or any sort of affiliations that go along with that. Uh, and Also making sure that they've had proper training. I think proper training is really important because a lot of gun deaths uh, result in improper use uh, and accidents.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against anyone getting proper gun training. I just think the system like, I don't know how available that is, like proper gun training and how long... See, I'm not in favor of anyone walking into a like gun store purchasing a gun the same day. I think it's reasonable to be like, "All right, you like apply for it, you get a background check, and you come back a few days later and you can get it." But I'm also not against the training as well. I think yeah. there, and I think for a handgun, like it's pretty like again, training definitely is not a bad thing. But looking at it, it's pretty simple, as well as um. But when you get into like long guns, maybe like a little more training should be done with that. But like I said. I just think if with the training before you can like obtain the gun, I'm not in the biggest fan of like extending that period for like weeks of time, like upon time. But no, I, I'm not against like training by any means. So, what else do you think should be um done just through, like them kind of regulations, just better proper or just proper training for people who want to own a gun and background checks?
1: Yeah, I think those are really important. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of i think long guns should be harder to get obviously because they can do more damage um Mm -hmm. but back to the training thing i think uh you know if you think about when you're buying a car you can't buy a car without you know having a license and to have a license Mm -hmm. to train a long time just to operate a car and you need to pass a test so i do think that obviously they're not the same a guard a a gun in a car but i do think that uh the same kind of structure should be implemented you know where you need to if you're gonna buy a gun, the the person who's selling it to you should have full confidence, knowing that you're able to use this
0: properly. Do you think people who sell guns and those people who like turns out the gun was used in crime should be liable for that?
1: That's interesting to think about. Um, I think my short answer is no, because mm-hmm. it's not it's not really on them. Um, you know, you can make a lot of things into weapons, you know, but you can't Great. really sue a knife company for manufacturing knives that somebody used to stab somebody, yeah. Um, but I did read one article that said, uh, regardless of whether or not you think it's, you know, morally fair to be able to sue gun companies, um, mm-hmm. having some sort of system like that where to make those companies more liable would put pressure on them to um, add more safety
0: features to guns. Yeah, see, I'm not against, like, you said safety features. I'm not against the proper training, knowing how to, like, handle a gun a background check but it, there's like i feel like there's a line there we're going this like safety procedures and then like pretty much restricting people's access to guns who should be getting them if that makes sense like i think if you're a law-abiding citizen and you want to own an ar you should be able to get maybe not the day of i mean not like a couple days later but within a reasonable time you should be able to obtain it and i think that i agree
1: with that mm-hmm. i agree with yeah, that as long as, as, long as- uh, you're going to be safe and responsible with it.
0: I agree. I completely agree. So it seems like we are in agreement for, like, gun control, just, like, more safety measures and just nothing too out there that would just make the time, like, overly like, extensive to, like, receive, like, your purchase of the gun. Mm-hmm. All okay. right, so I guess this was a shorter topic, but I do want to touch on, because I was um ready to talk about, like, people who think long guns should be um banned, that and they were like oh you don't need a long you don't need an ar for example i think the past few months is a perfect reason why you might need a long on an ar because of how the world can just dive into chaos so like easily you see like people like over a slight convenience in uh markets were just fighting over this toilet paper just go to a different market like i really am a believer in like people are only as good as the world like allows them to be like so if shit hits the fan you're not going to see normal people like functioning in society you're going to see people delving in possibly violence chaos robbing looting i think that's where you need like something more than just your average pistol your average glock
1: you're saying like if you were a store owner at one of these stores that was um like robbed and looted uh during protests that you would feel more comfortable
0: with like a long gun than just with a pistol That's an example of that, but it doesn't have to be like um just a business. It could be a homeowner that just feels more comfortable if like shit was to hit the fan like it kind of did back in March for like a week and no one knew what the hell was going on. Like no one's to say like this couldn't happen again in five years and it couldn't be way worse. Like we see how like our country handled it, which was not the best, and like how things were like pretty like the tensions were high. No no one's to say that it could not get worse. Like another pandemic could not happen down the line and things would get worse as well as like someone just like the business owners who had their um stores looted. Like I, that's also like the example you said, I think is valid.
1: Yeah, I think people have the right to feel like they can protect themselves and have the adequate equipment to do so. But again, I wanna stress that I think uh, to obtain a long, obtain a, a long gun, uh, you should have, it should be uh, a lot more difficult to do that than a handgun. Um,
0: yeah, it should be the same process, I agree.
1: Right. Um, and, you know, when the Constitution was written, you know, in 1776, you know, Thomas Jefferson and, and George Washington, uh, when they were talking about the right to bear arms, you know, uh, they did not know about the technology that we have today, right? So if they knew uh, the amount of damage that you could do with an automatic rifle in just a matter of yeah. seconds, do you think maybe history would be written different? I don't know, you know?
0: Uh, well, I think their pretty much purpose was writing it was to like write the like bear arms and like form militias if necessary against government tyranny, etc. But at the same time, like that's a point, like they're it's a valid uh, point you make that their guns were not as powerful or capable of doing damage, but they were the same guns that the military was using. So they weren't restricting guns, what guns the military or citizens can get compared to the military. Like if you're enlisted, if you're a enlisted person, you could get the same gun that an enlisted person could get, that assistant could get, or assistant could get um, a person in the army.
1: That makes sense, you know, because I guess if, if there is a any you should be able to, you know, have the same weapons that the army mm-hmm. does. Um, but then the narrative sort of changes when you talk mm-hmm. about, you know, mass shootings and, and school shootings, you know, the unfortunate tragedy that happened in Parkland in 2018, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, okay. it's great you know, if you want a gun to protect yourself, but you know, what happens when a kid walks into a
0: school and starts shooting everywhere, so. Well, hopefully, well, I'm also for, maybe not teachers, but possibly, I mean, it's a, it's a possible solution. They're being armed personnel. So it's like they're school police. I don't see why they couldn't be armed. And during that tragedy, there was a deputy on site who did not go in the premises, and he waited for some reason. I don't know how, many, how long he waited for, but he did not enter the school to um, stop the shooter. But I do agree that mass shootings are a problem for this nation and particularly uh, compared to other nations. And something has to be done. I think if you had people, if someone knew, if someone's considering uh, going into their school and shooting it up and they knew that there was personnel on the ground that had like, was, was armed, I think that would deter them. I don't think you, it would happen, in my opinion.
1: So you think it should be like more uh, widely known that there is a person on the premises who is armed?
0: Yeah, Um, I'm not saying it has to be a a teacher, mm -hmm. but someone. Someone. I like, you protect everything, like with school, like with guns. Like you, like politicians are protected with security, that like armed men. Like I don't see why you wouldn't protect like the nation's children with armed people. And like it's it's just a reality. I mean, like if you want to stop school shootings, in my opinion, I think one of the one way to do it would to be armed, have armed personnel on the grounds. So I'm not saying walking around the like the uh, um the hallways. I'm just saying like on campus.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And back to the conversation about long guns versus mm-hmm. handguns. Do you? I don't know the specifics about what this officer was carrying when he was um you know at the Parkland school. Um, my he at least had What? Yeah, I'm
0: yeah, thinking I'm he at least had, 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 like, had like, like a sidearm.
1: Right. Do you but do you think that you know if it was more known that he was standing there not just with the handgun but like with a big uh, long gun that maybe mm-hmm. the shooter would have been like less likely uh, to to do what he did.
0: Possibly, but I think these people who commit these crimes are frankly like cowards, and I think a handgun would deter them enough. Yeah, I look. They're preying look- on people who are vulnerable. You know what I'm saying, like and if you hear maybe one or two people are armed on campus, I think that'd be enough to dissuade to that person because like they're like it, what they're doing is terrible, and like they're cowards for doing it, and I think if they knew that two people were going um or two one or two people or depends how big the school was were armed on campus, that they would be deterred from committing that crime
1: yeah no i I completely agree I, you know I think security is really important, and you know. I wish there were more measures that were taken into place and to prevent these tragedies from happening. Um, but again, I think a lot of it goes back to these background checks, making sure that people are uh, safe and healthy, and that they know what they're doing. Um, but on the contrary, you know, there's there's also a lot of guns out there that um, you know we can't control the sale of, and I, unfortunately, this is how these people get their guns.
0: Yeah, like such so as like straw purpose. Uh... Purchases, excuse me, like a uh, novel analysis launched by um, Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Public Health. They found when firearms were committed in a crime, eight out of every 10 cases, the perpetrator was not a lawful gun owner, but rather was in legal, illegal possession of a weapon, instead of like them buying the gun. And that came from like them just stealing it, or that varied from them stealing it, or um, a family member or friend giving it to them, or mm-hmm. maybe taking it from them if the circumstances were um, unclear. But no, I agree. Like I and that's one of my main points is like gun majority of gun violence is not committed. Like this was just one analysis, but I think it's fair to say that the majority of gun violence committed is not committed by uh lawful gun owners.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading up about like a possible solution to this, maybe. And I, mm-hmm. I do have to admit that it's a little bit out there because there's a lot of technical issues with it, but um, back to what I was saying before about how gun companies, you know, could be incentivized to create safer guns. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did find this one article about like ideas uh, of how to, uh, if you own a gun legally, then you should be the only person using that gun. And there should be like technological ways to make sure that you're the only person using it. Like, and the example that was brought up in the article is that on your iPhone, you have, you can only log into it if you have your Mm -hmm. fingerprint so um uh you know maybe the same sort of technology could be applied to guns the obvious technical uh issue with it is that you know even with the phones it doesn't work
0: sometimes yeah yeah so what uh-huh. happens
1: when there's a home when somebody tries to invade your home and then you're trying to use your gun to protect yeah. yourself right and it's just not working yeah so no, that, that's that interesting
0: it is and i've heard that before and i think that's a, a fair point and it's also like you said a fair counterpoint that it doesn't work I'm also um concerned about like maybe the only person using it, maybe like long guns, but like such as a handgun, like the purchaser isn't home, but like a family member is, and like such as a handgun, someone tries to break in, and like they can't use it because it's not theirs. Mm -hmm. You know, like the wife, like son, daughter. Right. But yeah, no, I agree. Like there should be like measures to ensure gun safety. Like not like at least I lean the way like not restricting people's access to gun in a sense, but just ensuring gun safety measures.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think um, more money should be devoted into research as to how we can make guns safer. I I wanna say that like um, this issue, gun control, um, I think it's important to have conversations like these because this is an issue that can really be solved by putting people together and, and creating innovative solutions.
0: I completely agree. Um, I think now is a good time to move into our second topic, uh, the current movement. Sure. So so I just want to hear your thoughts on like what's happening and what you think of it. Yeah, sure.
1: So um, by the current movement, you're talking about like Black Lives Matter and and uh, police reform and things like that?
0: Yeah, along those lines. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, of course, I'm uh, in favor of Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, I think Uh, black lives more than matter I think they're extremely valuable to this country Uh, so much of our nation uh, the the industry the economy our culture uh, is is comes from uh, black people and uh, I think we have so much that we owe them Um, uh, that being said I was uh, recently I was watching uh, you know a lot of NBA and what's going on with Mm there and I I don't know if you've been following but they've been doing a lot of uh social activism mm. uh, in their restart of the season uh mm. and one thing that really struck me was that uh there was a post-game interview with lebron uh, and he was uh asked a question about the black lives matter movement, and he said that for them for the for the black people uh in america it's not a movement this is their lifestyle this is you know what they've been dealing with their entire lives and it's what they're going to be dealing with for the rest of their lives um, you know, for, for, for 400 years plus, you know, black people have been oppressed in this country. Uh, and it's going to take more than just the past 50 or so years of legislation to, uh, to undo all of that. You know, it's going to take a long time and a, a lot of effort. Uh,
0: I think, yeah, I do believe reform is necessary. Um, if you want to talk about police reform, I mean, like start off there and then move into the, back to the movement, made the organization we have time so with reform i think police reform is necessary i think police should be better trained there should be better backgrounds make sure you get like more selective train or more selective on um, application process as well as just more thorough training make sure they like know how to de-escalate situations verbally and physically without having the result to use of their firearm like yeah. i think i think some of the problems is like one of the main problems is actually that like they people panic and they don't know how to take someone who's maybe bigger or they feel like as a threat down without using their firearm. And I think that's a problem. However, I think what also is a problem is the fund, like the whole, the funding police when, we, when police should be better trained. Like I'm not mm-hmm. against um, the police budget being looked at, examined, like, oh, here's like a few million or X amount of money that's kind of like wasted, doesn't really go to anything. But I think when city councils like pretty much due to social pressure, just take a, a billion off the top without really properly examining what's going to happen and the ramifications of maybe that billion or so there's like things that come up with that. And I think like down the line, such so as like maybe they can't hire as many people over time. Like there's going to be obviously cuts to the but, uh, budget in terms of um, what they um, can have. Like I know one uh, small township up in, um, Massachusetts, their budget got cut, and they uh, can't have tasers now, which I think people would much rather be tased than shot. So I think there's like unseen ramifications to this.
1: Yeah, I am um, I agree with you to a certain extent. You know, um, money makes the world go around, but you can't solve every problem by slashing budgets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, what I What I think most people say when they mean defund the police, or at least... You know what their intentions are is that the the money that uh is is going through the city should um, be f- focused more on uh, areas of help other than the police you know to help mm-hmm. the community in other ways uh than law enforcement such as like social services and and make um you know making sure that um people have the the health uh that they need and those sorts of things. So I, I agree with you that I don't think a lot can be accomplished by um, slashing the police budgets itself. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, you know, with everything that's going on with the, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all the social unrest that's going on right now, uh, I think um, that people are, are having co- more conversations about, you know, well, um, a lot of the violence and a lot of the c- criminal actions that are going on. I'm not saying that. George mm-hmm. Floyd and Breonna Taylor's cases were criminal actions. Um, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that um, you know, I think a lot of societal problems could be solved at the root uh, if we spent more money on, um, on uh, you know, making sure people are, are um, well-educated and that they have the, uh, the social funding that they need. I agree. All these, all these programs that are helping the greater community, they deserve uh, a lot more money. And I do think you that, also
0: think it's a problem, though, that, like, according to the Annie e. Casey Foundation, that 65% of black kids are from single-parent homes?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, do you mean that is an issue?
0: Uh, do you where, think that's an issue that leads to crime, poverty, going down the wrong road when they don't have both parents in the house there to pretty much be there for them, to raise them?
1: I think I think that can be a factor but I don't think it necessarily is. Um I think when people think of uh one parent households they they equate it to uh low income and um and low wealth families which is not necessarily true because mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of uh there is a wealth gap between the the, the white people in America and the black people in America mm-hmm. and that's that in my opinion is one of the roots of uh, the issues that are going on. Um, and there's a distinction between you know, the income levels and the wealth, uh, because you, know, you may be um, a black person who is making a considerable amount of money per year. But the fact is, is that going all the way back to um, the Civil War, you know, with the slave, after the Civil War, the slaves were freed. And after that, they weren't really given anything. They were not paid for, they were not given any land or they were not paid for um, you know the work that they've done. And so all the white families who profited off of the work of the, the black laborers, the black slaves,
0: um, mm.
1: those families are still alive in America today. And so that wealth has accumulated over generations. Um, and so it makes it a lot easier for uh, white families to send their kids to good colleges and to make sure that the, they get a good rate on their uh, loans and all these different things. But um, for black communities, it's a lot harder just to start out.
0: I agree. I agree. Like like we talked about in the first episode with uh, Cam that the financial literacy rate in the black community with one of the experiments was found that like it, it was much lower, lower compared to the counterparts. I think yeah. that's a problem. I think that's a problem, like pretty much knowing how to invest money, save money, use your money.
1: Yeah, I know those, those things are important. I was listening, I was actually listening to that episode today because it was interesting. And I, I, yeah, I, um, I'm a big proponent of education, especially in financial literacy. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that should be a requirement across the board, you know, like, I agree. Everybody. Learned, everyone geometry, not everybody is gonna use that in their, uh, I mean, geometry is important to learn, don't get me wrong. Not everybody's <laughs> gonna use geometry in their careers. When they grow up, everybody has to manage their money. You know? That's, and a,
0: that's a great point.
1: If you don't know how to manage your money, you, and it's
0: gonna go down the drain. Yeah. Um, to get back to like, current movement, but like good um, point you just made there, was um, with the current movement, do you think there should be a distinction between the movement and the organization?
1: Um, what, can you clarify a little bit by what you mean?
0: So, by someone saying they support the movement, do you think that all do, would you automatically assume they support the organization?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I haven't really given this much thought about the distinction between the Black Lives uh, Matter organization mm-hmm. versus the movement. Um, but I don't, I don't think there's too much differentiation. Like, as as far as I'm concerned, people are out there chanting Black Lives Matter. They're chanting it because they mean it, and that Black lives need to, um, they they need to be respected, and also th- to support this cause. You know, it's the fastest growing I, cause.
0: I agree, but that makes me question why the Black Lives Matter organization did not mention anything about Security Turner's uh, death, who was an eight-year-old kid who was shot and killed while riding in a vehicle with her mother by protesters who were protesting the Rayshard Brooks uh, controversial um, murder. Hmm. She was eight, she was shot by a, a pro- someone protesting the Rayshard Brooks murder as they were attempting to enter a uh, parking lot and she was shot and killed. She was rushed to the hospital and she died in her mom's arms and not a word from the organization on that. And these are people protesting saying like Black Lives Matter speaking up for like the organizations for the movement yet the organization comes out and says nothing.
1: Well that is um, obviously really unfortunate Um, and another really unfortunate thing is that yes there's been a lot of uproar from uh, the Black Lives Matter community. There's been protests going on for like two months now Um, but what's what I think is terribly sad is that there's people in these protests and, and which turn into riots sometimes. That are, maybe they're not fully committed to the Black Lives Matter idea of protesting, and more committed to the looting part. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's bad people out there, and they're capitalizing off of the chaos. You know, they're maybe they don't really care about you know advancing the social cause. You mm-hmm. know, they just they just want to run into Target when the windows are smashed, grab as many PS5s as they can, and get out.
0: You no, know? I agree. Yeah, and I agree. I'm, I think we're both in agreement that, like, Black Lives Matter, and like you said, move for social justice is necessary. I just come to question the organization's motives, especially when you have the co founders, um, the three of them, but specifically uh, Patrice Colors, Colors, excuse me, going on an interview and saying that we are a trained Marxists in reference to her and Alicia, and as well as um, in their mission statement that they want to disrupt the nuclear family. Hmm. And the nuclear family, I mean, like it's pretty much like a reg- a family, mom, dad, kids.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so after hearing that, my guess is that the, everybody who's out there, um, you know, on the streets marching, my guess is that most of those people don't specifically subscribe to those ideas, but uh, generally, most people, um, are talking about, um. ways to reinvent you know normal American society and ways that um people lived out their lives because um, I feel like America American people like have this tendency over history like when something bad happens and then it gets corrected you know we roll over and we say okay that issue's been resolved let's move on but that's Mm -hmm. not really true you know um Everyone's talking about the new normal. You know, we got to get rid of the old normal and in with the new normal. Um, but back to your point, I don't really think that uh, most people who are chanting Black Lives Matter, you know, want to disrupt a nuclear family or uh, agree to, you know, Marxist ideas.
0: No, I and I agree with you. That's why I think more people should be aware when they say that they support the organization of what the organization really stands for. Because in that same interview that. The co-founder, Patrice, acknowledges that they have an ideological frame. They also have um, the co-founder from Canada, one of the co-founders, Yusaka Galli, in a tweet saying, please, Allah, give me the strength not to cuss slash kill these men and white folks out here today. Please, please, please. And another Facebook post, she, which has now been deleted, she said, white people are a genetic defect of blackness. Now, I'm not saying everyone who is in this movie supports close to that. I'm just saying the organization itself, the leaders' of the organization, I think, are a lot different than the people who are just out there for equality and their mm-hmm. agenda i think there's I think there's two separate agendas going on with the organization and the movement
1: i th- I think you're right. I haven't really been following closely uh, about what you're talking about about um, but I have heard you know um, of instances of uh, black leaders, uh, demonizing, uh, white people, uh, in order to uplift black people. And of course it's important to uplift black people, but I don't think that demonizing other races, uh, is the way to go. I have been, uh, following a little bit, uh, with some anti-Semitic tropes that I've been going around by some of the prominent leaders in the black community. Um, like, uh, what Deshaun Jackson said uh, Mm -hmm. about Jewish people and, um, you know, uh, it's like the same thing, you know, uh, I think the intention behind this is to, you know, um, promote black culture and, and lift up black people. But the way to do that is not to su- suppress other cultures.
0: No, I agree with you. And I think, like I said, like, this isn't me going out and speaking against anything but just organization. And that's just because of, I'm not, This is not say personal, my opinions created from amount of evidence that I've just done researched on um and like it's just there's just there's so many other things like one of the or in UK United um, Kingdom organizer Sasha Johnson she pretty much verbally abuses a black man who contradicts her on what a legal and illegal um choke is by police so I, I just think there's there's a lot of problematic things with the organization rather than the movement I think that also the organization doesn't acknowledge like the they did acknowledge the tragedy of um secoria turner so they did not i went on their website i typed in her name nothing came up i typed in george Floyd's name there was a mound of oracles and different things which i'm not saying there shouldn't be but i think there should also should be things for her like she died as a result from one of these protests and there wasn't a peep from the organization she was eight years old that is nothing less than a tragedy
1: yeah it's terrible and you know i agree that you know, I think they should be more vocal about these things. Uh, you know, it, it's still, I think, a relatively young organization, and it's gained a lot of um, political momentum recently. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I, I think they should be accountable for, or they should not be accountable maybe, but they, yeah, should, no. they should be vocal about, you know, uh, or transparent even about mm-hmm. what's going on. Uh, because I, I didn't even know about
0: that and that's and that's one of my main things. Like you have Rachel Brooks who was controversially killed by police. Everyone knows his name. And that murder is like controversial and how the police conducted themselves. But Security Turner, who was innocent, as could be her mom said she'd be on TikTok if that didn't happen using being TikTok on her phone. No no one hears about her because I don't I don't know why no one hears about her, to be honest. It's saddening to say the least and it it almost gets on it bothers me because you hear all the ones that are with police, but you don't hear any of the ones that are not with police. And like the organization, Black Lives Matter, why not mention all these other people? Like you in New York, from July 12th, there have been 634 shootings compared to 394 in the same pe- period of 2019. And most of them are black people. And some, and go good amount of them are kids as well. I just, it, and this doesn't take anything away from the movement. This is not the movement itself. This is the organization. I think there's a more well-rounded approach to it. Because hmm. Black Lives Matter when, pol- when it's the police being the perpetrator and when someone else is the perpetrator. They, it, why does it stop when, when the perpetrator is not a cop?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you're right. Violence is violence and, and you know, all, violence is bad when it's not justified. Um, but, you know, I think maybe part of the problem uh, of people's lack of awareness of uh, some of these um, issues with the organization that you're describing is the way that information is being spread these days, especially with young people. A lot of people are getting their information from social media. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is great, you know, to share information for, but the thing about, well, there's two things about that really is that, one, there's a lot of misinformation being spread, and two, when you can share information on a social media platform, um, you get to pick and choose what you share, you know, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe, uh, you know, some of this information that is, um, that doesn't look so good on the Black Lives Matter organization itself, not necessarily the movement, but the organization, mm-hmm. maybe that isn't being as widely spread as these other stories are.
0: I no, I, I agree. And that's why I think they have a agenda different than the movement itself. Yeah. I think so. Because like you said, when you have two of the three co-founders saying they're trained Marxist, I don't think the overwhelming majority of the people who involve themselves with the movement would say the same.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think so. You know, maybe they ad- adopt some of their ideas from, yeah. you know, like more socialist points of view. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I was saying before, you know, when you, if you really want to tackle the the issue of black people being oppressed in america you really have to take a step back and like examine how everyday americans live their lives because you know going past gen, going from generations and generations ago the way that like the you know like the middle class america um, lives their lives is you know not proportionate to how things should be you know when you consider other people of color
0: no, I agree. I think change is necessary and it's needed and it's needed sooner than later. It's just like, you have to, like you say, it's like a step back, you know, whole view and see where it needs to be changed. I think it needs to be like, like I mentioned earlier, like, I think there should, like we should encourage people staying together when they have a kid and we shouldn't normalize someone having four kids with four different people. Cause so I think that's also an issue in itself. That leaves that could lead to a number of things. Yeah, I mean it could. Um, do you think that's a like that's how a kid should grow up though? Like not having a father or mother in the house. Like do you think that leads like you think that's how it should be? Or like really?
1: I, I mean, I mean if if that's what it is, then that's what it is. You know, I have friends who have grown up that way that you know in single parent households and you know, everybody grows up in different ways and they're different people because of it. Um, but I, I do think, like, as my personal point of mm-hmm. view, that, you know, it would be, be, It, I think it just would be better, like you said, to have like more of a nuclear family where you have, you know, two parents in the household um, or whatever, I think, you know, because that's like the cookie cutter American mm-hmm. lifestyle of how people are growing up. And that's just kind of how the system Kind of bends uh in favor of that, um but I wouldn't say that it's i I would say um, certainly it might put you at a disadvantage, but I think that there's still a lot of doors that would be open for you, but,
0: if you yeah I, I I agree with you, but aren't we all talking about like disadvantages to like black people? yeah and how we should change them disadvantages and make them more equal for everyone, yeah, but
1: I mean, I I don't think that black people are um, splitting apart from their spouses, you know, just because that's like
0: the way it is. No, whatever. I I agree with I agree with you that it's not just happening because it's the way it is. I just think it's something that maybe it's it's just a socially acceptable to a certain extent if it's having if sixty five percent kids come from single parent homes. Okay, and but, this is much. And back in nineteen sixty, it was. I believe 40%. So it's getting higher.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the divorce rate is getting higher too, you know, so I don't really know what that says our, about our society as a whole. I guess we're getting more sick of each other,
0: um, <laughs> but, well, I think, yeah, no, I'll keep continuing. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say like my, my point before, you know, the way this is the society is structured, you know, it's just, you know, when you have two parents in the household, you get more income and then, you know, you have, more opportunities, and that's just the that's the way that life works. So, I mean, if there if there was a, a way to promote, you know, more people sticking together, then maybe that would be good. But I don't, I don't really. I think feel there like-
0: is a way. I think if people who icons, whether it be with sports, actors, whatever, whatever people idolize, and they came out and say, just took a stance on this, like they're doing everything else, else which I completely agree with what they're, what they're doing. I'm saying they should add this to what they're saying.
1: That, that may be true. Like you read, you see a lot of like the news, uh, the magazines at the grocery store and like uh, like all these celebrities are divorcing each other. Like you see that exactly. all the time. So, you know, you're thinking like maybe that's just become normalized because you see all these celebrities doing it, uh, you know, which may be true. But at the same time, in like, you know, the 1950s or whatever, it was more taboo to get a divorce because like, oh my gosh, did you hear down the block, Becky got a uh, divorce, uh, her and her husband aren't together anymore. And that was like a real like taboo type of thing. Like you're not supposed to do that in society. Um, uh, and I guess that's been less so now. But I think if you're married to somebody, and you're not comfortable with them, and it's just not working out at, you know, maybe you stick together for the kids. But I think you got to do what's best for yourself,
0: you know, and um, I, I- I agree with you. I don't know, so I can't say this confidently, but I don't know if the 65% is, because you're talking about divorces and like that's different. My parents are separated, but I don't know if the 65% is like single that that the other person's just out of the picture. I don't know if, if, like I see what you're saying, like if it's not working out to a detrimental level and it's better for everyone involved including the kids to get separated, that's different than like, the mother or father not being in the picture at all, which is what I'm referring to. The only thing I'm saying in clarification, I don't know if that 65% is um just uh just like one person, one family um guarding the house.
1: Yeah, so if I understand correctly, like what you're saying is that if if there was more uh social icons that you know even if they got divorced, you know, would function together to, you know, Help the yeah. kid, mm-hmm. you know, then that would reflect back on society and, and people. You think people would uh, model the same thing?
0: Yeah, I'm not. I think it's good when people, when people, uh, when icons that people idolize, like I said, have good, pretty much good morals. So, like, the people that you should be idolizing, people who like live good lives and just are not like doing things that are like maybe not the best for people involved. But I was getting to my point that the 65%, the number, it says they're from single parent homes, which I, I cannot say with confidence because I did not find this out. But I don't know if that single parent means like the father or mother's out of the picture. So they're not even like, they're not even like there. There's no support from them. Besides me, like alimony. But I don't know if it's that or if they're just divorced and like say the mother or, uh, or dad gets them on like weekends or like certain days of the week. I don't know if um, there's a difference in percentage there yeah i'm
1: i'm not exactly sure and i feel like i don't really have like i don't think i feel like i'm too qualified to even talk about um you know what it's like to be in situations like that um but just because i don't know
0: I, no I, I see have point. thank you thank you um do you have anything else you want to mention on this topic
1: um
0: let me take a look at my notes sorry no, you're good. No, you're good. I mean, next one is um, living in a pandemic.
1: Right. Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of, like, mm-hmm. reform is um, this this term, uh, qualified immunity. I don't know if you have oh, any
0: mm-hmm. thoughts about yeah. that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, but you can, well, I do, but I want to hear yours
1: first, at least. So. Sure. Yeah. So I uh, am kind of against it, but at the same time, I don't know, like, too much about it. So, you know, um, but from my understanding um, it's, it makes it, it, it was originally established so that like uh, police officers would be able to do their job uh, without having to worry about, am I going to get sued over this? Or am I, is this going to be brought to court, you know? Cause it, when you're a police officer, there's a high um, degree of risk, obviously. Uh, and there's a lot of threats against your life. So, you know, you want to be able to protect the right people and uh, not have to be worried about, am I going to get sued later? Mm-hmm. But, at the, but at the same time, when um, police officers do do the wrong thing, and uh, people do try to su- sue them on, on, like, legitimately, legitimate grounds, it becomes extremely difficult uh, because of this qualified immunity um, uh, idea. So, yeah, I no,
0: I, I agree with you completely. And like I said, like, I think police reform is necessary. I think training should be longer. There should be more selective um application process and there should be more thorough with like how to de-escalate um conversation or altercations verbally and um physically if need be without using a firearm. But no, but and qual- and or qualified immunity is um part of that. Because what you s- both sides like I see the thing to both sides, the point to both sides.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I understand that, you know, you want to be, you want police officers to be able to do their job adequately without having to be worried about the, you know, the, the petty uh, repercussions later, but at the same time, if you're a police officer and your job is to hold other people accountable to maintaining the law, then I think that like you should especially so like be in, be somebody who's held accountable to the law. If you do something oh. wrong, then you should be. You know, held accountable to that.
0: A hundred percent. I completely agree with you, and like I just want to clarify for everyone like listening. Like, speaking against organizations, speaking against movements, two completely different things in my eyes. Completely support. Like, we both completely support the movement and ending any kind of um inequality. Yeah, absolutely. I I second that. Uh. So, do you think it's a good time to go into the last topic, living in a pandemic? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Cool. So, what do you? What are your thoughts on what's going on right now in your state and what should be and uh, how it should pretty much progress in terms of businesses opening or we just do a whole round. Like you think business should be open some and how they should like operate and just everything like along those lines.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. First of all, I got to start out by saying that this is such a surreal like what a weird time to like be alive and be a person. Like I'm gonna tell my grandkids one day like about my stories living in the pandemic. And it's it's so weird for everybody who's living through it right now because you know we've had pandemics in the past but like never to this scale. And so that makes it that much harder to predict what's gonna happen in the future. Um, like at the beginning, when it started getting really bad in America in, in March, you know, Donald Trump was saying, Uh, everything will be fine and you'll be able to go uh, to church for Easter and come April, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, things are not fine now and uh, things have become a lot worse. Uh, And the thing about um, state by state is I I think um, Pennsylvania has been doing a pretty good job of uh, controlling the pandemic. Um, We've flattened the curve pretty well, but you got to be careful with that because People think, oh well, we flatten the curve now, and you know everything is going to be fine. We can open businesses back up, and I, I want businesses to open back up because people need to support themselves. But you got to remember that uh, as quickly as the virus came and the the curve escalated, it can escalate back quickly again. So mm-hmm. I am in favor of businesses opening up as long as it's safe and as long as people are mindful of the fact that you know a pandemic can balloon like that um this this super fast Mm -hmm. and if people are just going to be carefree and they're just going to uh do whatever you know it's going to be bad
0: Mm -hmm. i agree with you that people should be safe and businesses should start opening back up excuse me to make money and also be aware of the virus however cases have been somewhat spiking in pennsylvania over the last few weeks a good amount which is unfortunate i'm not one I'm not here to say, oh, we should shut down that's kind of the complete opposite of what I'm saying. I'm more concerned about with cases spiking somewhat not to like an alarming level, but they are spiking to some level they're like how do you control that without pretty much res- restricting all business again and pretty much telling people they can't make money they can't support their families
1: yeah um that it like I was saying before you know uh it's great when we see uh, numbers go down in cases and everything but it it's still just as dangerous you know it's going to take a long time for this virus to go away and of course people want to go back to work because they need to support themselves um but if i'm being like 100 percent real the economy is not gonna um recover until this pandemic is done you know so i mm-hmm. think what's best for right now like short term um Short term result uh
0: is another stimulus check for everybody. Yeah. I'm not against another stimulus check by any means. I just like I said on the first episode, I think it's it's dangerous when people say money's not real and you can just produce as much money as you want because like I said, you're pretty much owing money to yourself, it's like getting a prepaid uh credit card and taking a two thousand dollar advance on it. Eventually that money's gonna come back to haunt you because you have to pay it back at some point. But like I recently said that am I against giving people another stimulus check because I know in some families it must be very uh, very hard with just everything I'm um, considered. But I think people should also acknowledge that it has been like around five months, I want to say, since it started. Yeah, it's been like five months. That restricting businesses more and more I'm against wearing a mask and taking precautions, but I think there should be the option for people to go out and be safe rather than just shutting down businesses as a whole.
1: I agree but like to a certain extent like if you can mm-hmm. if you can operate a business in in a way that it's safe you know then I'm all for that you know but mm-hmm. I don't think that there should be like a, a rush to like open up bars and, and restaurants for example as long as you unless you know maybe you can do like an outside setting where people mm-hmm. are properly social distance you know and it, it reflects on your, uh, business. Like, are you going to take the, the health of your customers seriously or not? You know, mm-hmm.
0: that, that That's- to me is really important. Mm-hmm. What, uh, here's a pretty much a topic on, you know, I'm relating to this is opening schools in the fall. Mm. Specifically, um, more or less like, uh, grades, elementary schools.
1: Yeah. I think elementary schools and, and middle schools and, and high school, like those grade schools, I think that's much more of a risk than opening up like universities and colleges. Um, because thinking back to my days in like high school, you know, you're trying mm-hmm. to get from period to period and you like literally can't move in the hallways cause it's so crowded. And I've, I've been, wa- i watch the news and I see people talking about this issue and how they're, they're trying to get around it. Um, but it's, I don't know if I can trust like third graders to keep their mask on the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some innovative solutions that people are talking about, like you know sending uh, segments of kids in at certain times. So yeah, a hybrid, a hybrid. Yeah, A hybrid would be, I guess preferable. Um, mm-hmm. But you know it has to be clo- it has to be closely monitored. You know you got to check mm-hmm. kids' temperatures every day if If one kid uh, gets a fever, you know, even if you're not sure that this kid has coronavirus, it's up to the parents to uh do the responsible thing and tell the school about it you know mm-hmm. so that they can do uh, the proper precautions
0: do you think there's um problems with complete like completely shutting down like the schools you know what? such as I, elementary schools I, I you can... are you saying
1: um like completely shutting down, online like staying keeping it online mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, especially at a young age like that, it's definitely more beneficial to have in person classes, be, you know, to have mm-hmm. social interactions and have kids work on projects and all of that great stuff. But, you know, with, with the reality of, of a deadly virus going around, I, I'm not too much uh, against the idea of, you know, if a school wants to shut down and just do mm-hmm. online classes for the sake of the kids' health, then I think that is totally fine. Um, you know, if this was happening, like, 20, 30 years ago, even, you know, uh, where there wasn't the internet around. Um, I guess it was that long ago. Yeah. And you came up, right. And they didn't have like the innovative solution to like have zoom calls with their students, you know, and then all of a sudden, some alien from space came down and said, here's the internet, you want to use this to teach your kids, Uh, maybe uh, those parents and those teachers would be like, hell, yeah, you know, like, this would be Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, this kind of solves all our problems, we can be in contact with our students. Again, like I was saying before, obviously, it's not the same as in-person classes, but it's something, you know, and it's a lot safer.
0: Yeah, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I I know your point, but I think there's also some repercussions to that, such as the kids being home, like, who watches the kids Hmm. if the parents are going to work, kids with learning disabilities. I don't think online is really, like, hands-on is obviously preferred and definitely necessary. As well as I think it's worth noting that, according to Dan Bagina, who did a quick analysis on this, that kids were 4.1 more likely to be hospitalized for the flu, rather than corona so far. That because, in 2018, 2019, that there were 39.2% or 39.2 people per 100,000 that were hospitalized compared to corona. And has been five point eight per hundred thousand people, and these are ages five to seventeen.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is it is true that uh, children are a lot less likely to get the coronavirus, um, but they have known to get the coronavirus. First of all, uh, second of all, um, nobody. This is a, like a new virus to everybody. Nobody really mm-hmm. knows like the long term effects. So, you know, we don't know what type of effects this will have on our children down the road. Um, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, it's, it's a low mortality rate. Um, but even just outside of just the kids themselves, you know, the kids go to school. Mm-hmm. If they catch coronavirus, they can bring it back home and then it spreads throughout their community and it gets to their elders. You know, the real risk that a lot of people don't initially think about is that, you know, maybe you're not 65 and older. Maybe you're not mm-hmm. in the, the primary category uh, of risk. Which but- is eight out of 10 people who have died
0: over the age of 65 according to the CDC right so you're most Mm -hmm. likely
1: that's the category that where you're most likely to to become fatally ill and die from coronavirus you know I'm 20 years old and I'm perfectly healthy you know but I'm very vigilant and making sure that I don't catch coronavirus because I could spread it to members of my family who are at greater risk than me so it's not just about the individual it's about you know who you're in contact with and that these kids they could bring it home so I think that's a serious something we should take seriously I agree
0: I agree I think that's why it's such a hybrid method of some sort just taking the necessary precautions if the circumstances allow it would be optimal
1: yeah so what I would what I would say like going into this school year um, Mm -hmm. all across the board all ages is you know monitor monitor everything closely if you're gonna do in school learning then you know everything has to be watched and if you see signs of ballooning of cases then you know in my opinion shut it down
0: no i agree if when their safety becomes like at risk when the risk is real then taking further measures is definitely necessary the the good
1: thing um, in my opinion, that I've been seeing like it just mm-hmm. in my like personal circle and people in my community and, and my friends who I'm excited to see at school is that um, you know the reality after five, six months is finally settling in that you know yeah, we want to you know get together and have fun, but at the same time we have to be super cautious because you know it's a pandemic and it's really serious. you know At the beginning you were hearing about all these kids in, in, in Miami who are like, wanted to do their spring break and they mm-hmm. didn't care about coronavirus at all you know of course people want to have fun and they want to go back to you know their normal lives but I think the reality is setting in for a lot of people that this is a serious issue and we need to take it seriously. I agree. So this gives me a little bit of confidence.
0: I agree I think my biggest problem with it, not this isn't what schools but I think it's when there's governor's orders that just restrict business so tightly or just like such as like gyms can't um open like I have a friend in Rochester that bars restaurants are all open but gyms aren't open and I think like that does what how much sense does that really like make and it, like should be encouraging people to work out stay healthy good mental health keep their immune systems up and that's why like I kind of like um skeptical about some of the people making these decisions is pretty much my main point
1: yeah no I agree mm-hmm. like I've I've I mean I'm not a health expert but I've I yeah, feel like I by no means. Just going off common sense I feel like being in a gym is safer than like being in a restaurant or a bar right now you know especially because you can wear your mask Um, Mm -hmm. and I I think like a lot of people are really hesitant to like follow these restrictions because they're kind of like wishy-washy in that they've been changing a lot like I said before Mm -hmm. like this is a new experience for everybody even the health officials so like you know, first they were saying that, you know, uh, it, it, you don't really have to wear your mask as long as yeah, you don't wear you, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then there was like um, ideas floating around that the masks could cause health problems. Now everybody's really hammering down, you know, wear your mask all the time, you know, so those mixed messages really get people skeptical about, you know, what the health officials say, and it creates mm-hmm. a trust in society.
0: No, I, I think you said that perfectly. Not saying that people should be wearing masks, but it's like more like you said, creates skepticism towards um, what they're saying. I would say you have any like final thoughts or anything upon the episode? Or yeah. Or discussion? Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say wear your mask and
1: just um, try and social distance as much as you can. And,
0: um, you know, black lives really do matter. 100%. 100%. All right. Uh, everyone listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in and um, stay safe and stay well. All right. See you guys. See you. Hello. See ya.